So welcome to another episode of Mark My Words, the podcast from Make Your Mark UK, where I get to interview some interesting, very talented individuals about their story and their insights. So today I've got Mike Niles with me, the founder of Charity Be Friends. So welcome, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for joining um, me this, this, uh, this morning. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what day it is. Um, so can you tell us about what you do and what your charity does, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you, first of all, for inviting us on. Um, so Befriend is a charity that works across South Yorkshire um, and it aims to um, reduce the isolation faced by older neighbours who live on their own, um, who don't get to see or speak to many people week after week. You know, maybe their family live further away or they don't have many friends around and they just end up spending so much time just in four walls on their own. Um, and it's been particularly pertinent over the last couple of years with the pandemic, um, just how vulnerable people can be if they are on their own. So uh, the charity was set up in 2017 um, and it aims to just basically bring people in the community together. So we do one-to-one befriending where a volunteer will be paired with an isolated older neighbour, pop in once a week just for a cup of tea and a chat. It could be on the way home from work, could drop the kids off at nursery and do it on the way home it could be just after the big shop um and just basically just get together and form a bit of a friendship and a bit of a sport and then we also do group activities every week so in different areas around the region we get together and basically have uh fun so it's all about improving well-being but also why not have a bit of fun right so we do all sorts of weird and wonderful activities uh, from tattoo design workshops to creative writing to learning the Charleston um, and everything in between. So essentially the charity is just that, just it's about befriending, it's about getting people together and just having a, a bit of fun and age just being a number really. Brilliant, thank you. So what, what made you set up the charity then? Um, I was living in London and um, I'm from I'm from Doncaster and I was living down in London and um, I was feeling a bit disconnected myself just a little bit like I lived in a community where I was just parachuted in as an outsider and living alongside people who'd lived there all their life and generations of families have lived in that area um, as areas sort of gentrified and I just felt like I had no connection to the people who were from that area um, so I started volunteering myself, doing a very similar thing with a lady called Mitzi. Um, and we became really good friends. And over the years, she was as, as much of a support to me as I hopefully was to her. Um, and we're still good friends now. And I, I just I decided to move back out of London, I think I'd had enough of it, and looked at the situation in Doncaster. And it was just dire. Like there was nothing for old people who lived on their own. There was no support structure. Um, and very little connectivity between people who lived in certain areas. So really it just started as an idea, if we could just do this with a few people, replicate what I did as a volunteer, and um, it'd be lovely. And then quickly realised there was such a huge appetite and people really bought into the idea and wanted to do it. Um, so yeah, it kind of, kind of grew from there. And what, what does it feel like now, looking back over those few years, how, how it's grown and how you're now literally delivering across South Yorkshire? It must be a great feeling. Yeah, it's, it's really odd. I mean, we first met right at the very beginning of the whole thing. Like, 
I came and spoke to you and I was like, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. Can you give me any guidance? <laughs> um, and you put me in touch with some really good people and gave me some really good food for thought. And thinking back on that time now, it's, I mean, it's five years ago and it seems like 50 years ago. <laughs> um, and I've good got way. hairs to prove it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, so much has happened in that short space of time, but also you think back and you look, you, you know, you, you get to know the people involved. So the older neighbours you're working with week in, week out and volunteers who are, you know, giving their time and just generally awesome people. And you think back on all the people and five years, a lot has been packed in. Um, a lot has changed and we came from like literally nothing, like submitting our articles of association to the Charity Commission, hoping we were going to be approved to now being across South Yorkshire and supporting, you know, around a thousand people every week. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how fast things have grown. Wow. And, and tell us a bit more about the impact that, that you and, and the charity makes, you know, some of the stories and, and what the difference is, if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing more than the last two years sort of is a magnifying glass on what this is all about. So um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, when the lockdowns were announced, we were getting calls from all the neighbours who were talking about suicide, who, you know, were really at their lowest ebb. They didn't know how they were going to even get their food provided, but let alone get through the next however many months without seeing or speaking to another person. And, you know, that isn't just a pandemic situation. We, we've seen that literally since day one of the charity starting um and as, as sad as the situation is that is in all the communities we all live in you know somewhere there is a house or an apartment or a bungalow or something where there is someone who just is really isolated so our aim is to get to them and find them and start offering them the support if they if they want it um and we work with gp surgeries with nurses with you know, hospital departments with, you know, people who are just neighbours with family members to try and find those people to say, look, you know, you don't have to be on your own. Um, and the impact is crazy. So, you know, we've had people saying that, you know, you have this charity has saved my life. And you initially think of, you, you hear that and you're like, come on, like all we're doing is having a cup of tea and a chat. And, but it really does change a psyche. It changes someone who feels like there is no solution and there is no sort of end to this monotonous loneliness to thinking oh actually I do have something to give and I can go out and do you know venture out on my own because I have a bit more confidence now and I do have a support bubble and a few friends that I've picked up over the over the time so it's it's quite amazing to see the impact and there's, there's two strands really there's the love you look at it from the outside and you think oh it's just a lovely cute and we we ask people to take loads of selfies and it's all lovely on social media and that's true. And it's all, you know, that's all accurate, but there's also a really fundamental health and wellbeing benefit to this. And when we talk about impact, we talk about how much is this changing someone's existence, someone's life. Um, and in, in terms of sort of our theory and the reason we do stuff, it is because of that, all the nice stuff and all the fluffy stuff is true, but Equally, we wouldn't be doing this if it didn't like really improve someone's um, well-being and someone's like you know day to day. Um, so yeah, there's the, I mean it's important to all of us, right? I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, um, you know, I've been talking to friends all the time and doing all the the 
online quizzes and all the, you know, catch-ups and stuff. And it's not long before you're just like, oh, I just want to go for a coffee or a beer and sit face-to-face, you know, and, you know, digital's great, but there's something, you can't replicate that face-to-face um, interaction you have with people. So, and we know how important that is now because we've all experienced mm-hmm. it. So that is kind of what we're trying to do with people who physically or psychologically struggle because of age or because mm-hmm. of illness to get out, to still have that, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you work with volunteers and they help you a great deal in, in all the stuff that you do. So um, how do you recruit, train and, and keep the volunteers and what sort of uh, commitments needed or how flexible is it? Yeah, the, the, the volunteers are honestly the lifeblood of the whole organisation. We, we've been nothing. And I think when I first started, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it might get a few people interested. You know, you, people who are like your typical volunteers who help out at community events and the local um, allotments and things like that. And actually, I was blown away by the fact it, it is everyone and anyone. Our youngest volunteers are like 17, 18. Our oldest is... 85 i won't mention names but um it really does it is the whole uh, spectrum of age and just giving and we ask for an hour a week and we we often ask you to we pair you with someone who lives nearby so maybe a couple of streets away or the same village just to pop in have a cup of tea have a natter for an hour and that's the volunteering and i think that's why it's been quite popular is because it's it's tangible and it's also quite easy you know any of us could do that you don't need specialist skills you don't need to you know be free on a Wednesday you can do it evenings weekends whenever um and yeah I was I was surprised I thought we'd struggle but we've actually been inundated um over the years and um it just shows that as much as there's negative press and as much as there's you know especially you know the current situation in the media everything's quite negative everything's quite attacking each other quite polarized and it's just so reassuring when you work on a project like this to see that people are good people want good for other people in their community and they're willing to give their time to to try and contribute towards that and yeah it's constantly reassuring brilliant thank you so if anyone's you know watching or listening and and in the area and interested to get in touch and see if you can get involved and help okay um so thinking about when you started the charity you know a few years ago and and what you know now if you could go back and give yourself a key piece of advice or a top tip what would that be do you think um yeah I was so naive when I started (laughs) um you go in thinking oh you know it's a lovely project everyone's gonna bite your hand off and um, that isn't necessarily the case. I think one thing, and I think you'll find this as well as sort of a, an entrepreneur starting up your own business, I think never underestimate sheer grit. And you can have all the accolades, you can have all the qualifications and everything, but you have to have so much grit and determination just to persevere, take some of the losses, take some of the hits, um, and just have real belief and grit, basically, in what you're doing. Um, there's, you know, you always have doubters. You always have people who will challenge you or try to, you know, halt your progress. Um, but yeah, I think I think one thing looking back is, 
And I, d- I don't really think I knew I had it, but just that sheer grit of just, um, I believe in this so much, I'm just going to make it happen. And but so much respect for anyone who starts a business, um, whatever field that's in, because it's really hard work and it takes so much of you, not just the physical time, but your brain power. And, you know, you're always thinking the, the task list never ends. Um, and yeah, that sheer grit to get through all that and persevere. And I think that's, it's something that any of us could have. You don't need a qualification in that, do you? Um, so I think, yeah, just if I was to look back and give a piece of advice, it would be just believe in that and not, you know, when you are challenged or when things do, when curveballs do appear, to dig deep and mm. so, sort of trust in your own vision, I guess. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people... I think would call that resilience do you see that as the same or yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah because yeah, you take so many hits don't you? you take so many even if it's a snide remark here or a bad piece of bad feedback there or um a rejection for a grant or a you know some match funding or whatever and you can see that as oh well what's the point like people aren't buying into the idea or not buying into the product if you're a business or whatever and that could re- that can really knock you um and you're allowed to have a moment of self-pity and a bit of wallowing and fine but then you wake up the next morning and you could almost be like right back to it and I think yeah I think that served me really well and I think you know I've had so much support from people over the years who've either been through this or going through similar stuff elsewhere who give you that advice and almost like maybe without even realizing it they kind of mentor you for that those kind of setbacks um so there's so many people who you, you, any of us can like thank along the way for little comments they've said even people who like did say stuff to you that was ill, Ill um, with ill meaning but then you wake up the next day and you're like you've digested it and you've thought it through and you're like actually no that's now my motivation so they wouldn't you're not going to thank them because you know you probably don't like them but actually that kind of stuff is really helpful as well it's really good fuel um, yeah and the resilience to get through it all and yeah, continue on your path. Mm-hmm. And when when you've had sort of comments like that or, or setbacks, what's that been about, do you think? You know, is that, yeah, is that from like jealousy? Is that from about like just, you know, putting you down or what What would you say that's about, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think it varies from the different, from the different quarters, right? So, um you know without <laughs> without naming names uh, sometimes you know there's different interests people have different interests or investments in different projects mm. you know you, all of us have competitors right all of us are trying to achieve get a certain pot of funding a grant or something or all of us are trying to um you know bring in business and there will always be competition and there's always people who believe in another project or another product more than yours and um some people are in positions of power to influence that, like the success of that. So, yeah, I think it's, um, there's a lot of persuasion and, and particularly in the charity sector um, in South Yorkshire, it's quite difficult to sort of gain the credibility alongside some of the statutory organisations who sort of just get on and do the things the way they do them. Um, and there's, there's quite a, a disparity of esteem, I think. You know, in the charity sector, there are people working you know, with more letters after their name than they have in their name, you know, qualified to the hill, 
electing after years of working in corporate or years of working in whatever they choose to work in this sector because they believe in it and it's important to them and there is a bit of a disparity of esteem with the charity sector or the voluntary sector or however you know the third sector whatever you want to call it because it's oh it's just it's just those nice charity projects whereas actually you're dealing with people with you know serious um conditions serious needs comprehensive support required people end of life people with suicidal thoughts you know we're not dealing with spreadsheets and big numbers and finance we're dealing with emotions and life and death essentially and i think yeah sometimes it's quite difficult to get that message across um how how important but also how skilled you have to be to work in this sector Mm. yeah really good point thank you um so you kind of mentioned a couple of times around the sort of the media context which we're in at the moment and and I guess also you know the the political context I suppose so you know thinking about media or or politics or or whatever without getting too political but what what would make your life easier in terms of what Befriend's trying to do if you see what I mean and I know that's a bit like if I had a magic wand or Hmm. could press a magic button what would that look like? Um, I'll try and make it a a short answer. <laughs> um, I definitely don't believe that the state, the government, the local authority need to give us all the money or anything like that. I think that's too simplistic an answer and too short-termist. I think business and the corporate sector have such a can have such a positive impact on societal solutions, right? Their workforce, the families of the workforce are in the community. So I think it's in their interests in all business interests to make the communities as thriving and as healthy and as good as possible. So no business wants to know that a staff member is on free school, has a, has children on free school meals or is going to a food bank or has an older mm. person who's just retired, who now is just in four walls on their own, you know, weeks and weeks at a time. So I think there's huge benefit in not seeing corporate as like the enemy you know, them versus us, like charity versus corporate are so different. I think it has to be a collaborative. Um, And looking at sort of long-term solutions, you know, we work on a political cycle of, what, four or five years or whatever. And this issue is so systemic and so embedded in our, well, the issue of loneliness is so embedded in society that you have to be looking long-term and stuff that we're doing now, whether it's preventative health or whatever, or social care, which obviously is widely discussed at the moment, and how that's going to impact 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Um, whereas obviously a lot of the discussions are what's going to get us elected or what's going to get the popular vote now or what's going to sit well in the press. So I think a change of dialogue, but also one of the things that, you know, for us, we, we rely so much on volunteers, just Joe Public, who wants to make a difference in their community and help someone. And I think maybe working to incentivize that to a point, not even necessarily financially, but just that giving your time is actually really valued by the community and by society. And, you know, no one wants to think of an old person on their own at the end of your street or a few streets away. And we're all ridiculously busy. Like you look at your week and you think I'd love to, but where am I going to do it? I've got three kids, I've got work, I've got family, I've got parents, I've got... Um, and that's all valid so how can we encourage you know all of us to just spend a bit of time with people around us and almost like you know the world is so 
interconnected now. We can see what's happening in Wisconsin, or we can see the news in Nova Scotia, or we can see what's happening in, I don't know, another country around the world. And we sometimes forget what's happening just around the corner and the people who are like in our close quarters. I think the pandemic at the start and the lockdown is good for because, you know, you get to go outside, you get to see stuff you'd normally drive past, you get to meet people on your street or whatever that you didn't before. And I hope we don't lose that um, because I think, I don't want to speak obviously for anyone else, but I definitely found more value in being connected locally than I had ever before, I think. Um, and it meant more to me, I think, that I knew who was who my neighbours were and I knew what was going on. And I wasn't just leaving the house, getting in the car, going to work, getting out of the car, getting in the house. Do you know what I mean? Like, So, yeah, um, it's not a... Sorry, I didn't answer the question. It's not a silver bullet as in what would help, but I think there's a few things that could really be looked at. Mm. No, I think useful insights, yeah. And, and I think... You, there's that saying isn't there if you want something done ask a busy person so it's about that you know how do you carve time in to do something and um, and to make your bit of difference I suppose okay so so thinking about what what's a typical day like for you then so as a as a charity founder and chief exec what sort of things are you doing in a day what do you have to manage juggle think about it's definitely changed a lot over the years as it as it does for anyone right so you start off doing spinning every plate and then luckily, because we've been quite successful, we've got a bit of funding in, we've managed to show what we're doing. We've managed to hire um, some amazing, uh, amazing team of people who do different things in different areas of South Yorkshire. Now, South, South Yorkshire is massive. Um, I don't think I realised that at the start. I think Doncaster's the largest borough geographically in the country. And South Yorkshire is just huge. So, um, yeah. That was a that was a wake up call. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we'll spread across South Yorkshire, and you're like, oh, it takes an hour and a half to get from one side to the other. Um, so yeah, um, an average day we do um, social clubs every day of the week. So that's a two hour session where, like I was sort of saying, people are dancing or creative writing or doing some arts and crafts or floristry or whatever, something different every week. So we'll do some of that. We, we go and do the introductions between volunteers and the older person. So we'll go to the older person's house with the volunteer, get the conversation started, get it flowing. It's quite a nerve wracking thing going to meet a new person, you know, whoever you are, right? So it's nice for us to be there to sort of ease the tension a bit and do that introduction. Um, and then, you know, applying for funding, trying to promote what we do. It's, it's really important to us that people hear of us and see other people doing this stuff because it might inspire. So we do a lot on social media to try and get people um, interested really and see people doing, doing something they might like to do. And then honestly, the boring stuff, which comes with when you, you do start getting bigger. So it's all the finances and, you know, monitoring reports for funds. You get a fund, great, you get to spend it. You have to then prove to the funder what you're doing and how you're doing it and why it's important. And that you're hitting your mark, hitting your mark really, mm-hmm. in your targets. And so there's a lot of um, evaluation and monitoring that goes on. Um, what else? Yeah, and as a team, it's just really important. Like we've we've tried right from the beginning to be a really supportive team. You know, we're dealing with a lot of um, 
emotional stuff you know mm. many people many many personal personal circumstances are quite difficult that's why we're involved um, and it's important to us as a charity that our team are supported when they're supporting others and mm. um, so we do a lot of collaborative work as a, as a team trying to make sure you know we're on top of it and um yeah and then chatting to loads of volunteers like every day we check in with volunteers and see how they're getting on and they tell us amazing stories and um i'm going to chat to a guy called brian later today who lives in sheffield and his volunteer becky has been taking him out for walks and um going down to the local park and just some of the stuff that she comes out with and he's now part of their family so he's been going around for Sunday dinner or obviously during covid they've been taking a wrap-up sunday dinner around for him and just lovely stuff like that but we need to make sure we're continually supporting volunteers to you know be able to achieve that today and what do you like best then about what you do personally uh interacting with people i think that's why i started it because i'd worked i'd worked for a while in london in a few different jobs but it had become very at a laptop uh, in an office not really interacting with people and i think i'm i'm quite a, such a cheesy thing saying it. i'm a people person but you know that's kind of what i want so that's why i started it to be able to interact with people every day and stuff and then yeah you, you kind of lose that a little bit when you go into sort of a management role so that's the bit i like the most honestly and um and also been able to support staff and team members to have that experience because they're hired and they apply for this job because they are also driven by interacting with people right mm-hmm. so yeah so it's that's probably the best part of the job i'll give you the worst part of the job as well um <laughs> the spreadsheets and the finance and the all that rubbish but i guess that's probably the worst part of most people's jobs cool okay thank you and is there anything else you want to say or share um I think, I think, the only, I mean, just to reiterate, really, I think when, when I started this out, I didn't really have any, any kind of vision of where it was going to go. I had like an idea of what I thought was possible, but just sort of get your head down and just work your backside off. And it gave me a, a real newfound appreciation for anyone who starts a business or anyone who's in a startup, really. You don't even have to be the founder, just someone who you have to put in the hours, you have to put in the, the, evenings and weekends and networking and you know just constantly flogging it and you've got to have such belief in what you're doing and like I sort of said like just the sheer grit and it's not advice because I'm not in a position to offer advice to anyone but if it was if I was to say anything it'd be never underestimate that that how how important grit is to get something either off the ground or to that next level because there'll always be people like no one's going, nothing's going to be handed to you on a plate. Right. Um, and I don't think any of us expect that, but I think I really underestimated how just getting your teeth stuck into something and, you know, taking the feedback on board, but not letting it down you um, makes such a difference. So yeah, I've got total respect for anyone who, whether it's charity or business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that'd be the only <laughs> Mm. I definitely think you're well qualified to give advice from uh, from your experience and literally starting it from scratch so and then expanding and and growing as it has so yeah well done well done so 
Um, this is the bit where I ask my guest, is there anything you want to ask me? This isn't the bit I get nervous about because I've got no idea what you might come out with. So be kind. <laughs> yeah, what can I do to put you on the spot? Yeah. So I guess if, if the sort of, I mean, you, you've worked with loads of businesses, loads of startups, loads of charities, social enterprises, whatever. Do you, do you, do you, do you recognise any key traits of the ones that not necessarily just succeed, but those who are doing really good stuff and being run really well? Mm, that's a good question. I think two things that, that stand out, and we kind of, I think you kind of touched on them to some extent. So, so one's definitely that mindset and that self-belief um, within a context where we all have our voices, don't we go, mm, you can't do that, you can't do that. And actually people telling us that is about what do you want to do that for? Or um, So I think that's the key one. So it's about how you overcome that, how you kind of maybe notice it, but don't dwell on it and just keep going. And I think the other thing is around um, that getting that balance between um, we get all we all get bogged down in working in the thing that we do, the charity or the organisation, the, the operation or the hands on the front line. Um, and especially in charity, that's really important because often you're working with vulnerable people. But then it's also how do you carve in time to take a step back and work on the business, on the charity? So thinking about what context you're in that strategy piece that what are the priorities where 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 you going in the next six months a year further on um and sometimes that can be really hard especially if it's just you or you know there's one or two volunteers that are working on it or if you don't have the expertise because the other thing is and i see this a lot in charities that if you're good at that frontline operational stuff you can easily get them promoted but then well, where do you learn that leadership and management stuff? You know, because just because you're really good at the frontline delivery doesn't mean to say you overnight can be good at that management stuff. I'm sure you can be, but it's about where's that support? And then and there's that dilemma between, well, we need to spend all the money on frontline service delivery rather than let's think about what learning and development needs to be doing or team building or coaching or that kind of thing I think so is that three things maybe that's three things <laughs> but yeah. yeah I don't know what you'd think about that yeah I totally get you and uh yeah there's bits of that where it reminds me because yeah I was kind of accidentally became a manager and you're like oh I didn't anticipate this um now I need to go on these courses and I need these mentors and I need all this I think the other thing like that kind of sprung up then is burnout like I, I feel like I definitely experienced that because and many people will have done right you get your head down you're working your, your ass off you're doing all hours and I think it was only a few years in that I appreciate I, I sort of took a bit of time to look after myself so mental health definitely suffered because of it relationships suffered um, I wasn't doing any of the things that I like to do like for me like my time out. So I was just working. Every hour was just absorbed by the next thing to do, the next thing to do. And there's an element of, well, no one else is going to do it, so you have to do it. Um, but there's an also element of if you burn out and you crash, then it's not going to get done at all. So, yeah, I think that was quite a, quite a steep learning curve for me as well to sort of balance that time better. Mm. Yeah, really good point. I definitely recognise that. And it's 
uh, you know it's that whole thing of isn't it you've got to put your mask on first before you help somebody else as they say on airplanes and stuff yeah it's all good yeah brilliant well listen Mike thank you so much for your time and your insight and your wisdom really really appreciate it um keep up the fam fantastic work and again like I said if anyone's listening to this and thinking about actually I'd like to get involved as a volunteer or maybe they can support in other ways be it financially donations giving other in-kind support then please get in touch with the friends so yeah thanks for your time Yes. <laughs>